0: fastest growing TV network, the new TNN. Culture Addicts, thanks for tuning in to the new TNN podcast for the latest edition of Ring Man. My name is Johnny C. Of course you're on Ringman. We're always talking about professional wrestling, the wars of the squared circle. And today, I feel like I've got a very unique topic that I can't imagine anyone else out there in the podcast sphere is going to be talking about, which means I win. No, of course, not. it just means I'm absolutely insane and came up with this concept and you know, it kind of feels like a, a trek down to the old multiverse of fabulousness in a ways. My sister's show over on the North South Connection Podcast Network that I host with Keithy Langston once a month on a Sunday. Like Solomon Grundy, born on a Monday. What the hell does that have to do with anything? Well, because folks, today we're talking about superheroes of wrestling. Not the dreaded Heroes of Wrestling pay-per-view, but maybe we'll talk about that someday. But today, Superheroes of Wrestling. Now, what does that mean? Well, I was watching, that's right, watching the GWWE reveals from uh, JT and Aaron George over the South Connection Podcast Network, which again, is now uh, No So's Gone video, if you will. So I was watching their GWWE list reveal, and somebody said something. I can't remember what it was. I'm sorry. And I, They said something about... S- Something hero or something like, or they talked about the comically outlandish 80s or something like that. I don't remember what it was. Uh, they, they weren't throwing shade at anything. It just, it popped something in my head that, yeah. Yeah you know, there have been a lot of cartoon heroes in the world of professional wrestling. And then I started thinking about that. And of course, they started talking about guys that had a run on top, guys that had a run on top that weren't treated like they were on top, which is something you get out of the later eras, see like Brian comma Daniel. Um, and I started thinking about how, you know, WWF at the time was always a face type of organization. And they always had sort of like a, a superhero on top of the promotion that the kids could look up to and buy merch from and shit like that and then I started thinking you know there have been especially within a certain era like the rock and wrestling to the end of the new gen there have there were very specific individuals a limited group that were placed on top and it's funny because each of them has like memorable feuds for right or wrong uh some have arch nemeses and what have you and I was like god if you really get kind of crazy and think about it each one of those different champs is like a different superhero, and the people they feud with to defend the title against are kind of like their rogues gallery. And then I thought, well, holy shit, can I really do this? And so I'm doing it. So what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about the individuals who are the babyface champions on top of the World Wrestling Federation, only from rock and wrestling to right before the Attitude Era starts. I've narrowed down the list to six individuals, okay? And the criteria for these individuals was they had to have been World Wrestling Federation champion. And you should be able to point to this individual and be like, you know what? For at least X amount of time, they were the man, as Bobby the Brain Heenan would say, in the promotion. And, you know, the, the title doesn't flop back and forth a lot and what have you. So it was pretty easy to do. Like I said, we've got six different competitors. Three, it's interesting too, because you can kind of draw a line down the middle. Three from the rock and wrestling, like early superstars era. And then you slice it right down the middle, and the back three are very much the new WWF generation, if you will, even though they may have appeared back in the rock and wrestling days. They didn't get out run on top until the new gen. So. I hope this sounds like a lot of fun. I really enjoyed coming up with the lists and finding different ways to figure out who the villains are. Because some of these, some of these characters that they are to me, you know, and and it's not just sort of skin deep. You sort of have to look into their personality, their championship run, how they penetrated with the cultural zeitgeist. Like for example, let's just say for argument's sake, Drew McIntyre was on this list, okay? Um. No one's going to convince me that Drew McIntyre was like Iron Man, for example, because everybody out there in the cultural zeitgeist knows who Iron Man is. And, and I'm not throwing shade at Drew McIntyre. Lord knows he carried the pandemic era for a lot. Of, I'm not, this, is not, this is not a conversation to mock Drew McIntyre as a sports entertainer, but I'm just saying he's not Iron Man because he didn't penetrate into the cultural zeitgeist like that. He might have to be like Nightwing. Someone who's like, oh, yeah, what a great character. I love Nightwing, but I love Nightwing because I've read his comic books. You know, the guy on the street out here running with the shirt off with his muscles exposed that, you know, I see right now outside my front window. I, I doubt I can stop and be like, hey, you big Nightwing fan? What's Nightwing? What's, what is a Wing Knight? You know, I, I don't know. Maybe they, and hey, I hope they do because I love Nightwing, but that's sort of where I'm going with this, all right? So the only place that we can start is the most obvious. And one of the most difficult to do, ironically enough. It is the man that undoubtedly ruled the professional wrestling world for the 80s, 90s, better or worse. All right? Um, it's Hulk Hogan, obviously. The man most synonymous with professional wrestling, I'm sure that same guy who's running, who's going around the corner now, I could stop and be like, hey, you trying to get buffed like Hulk Hogan? He'd be like, yeah! So people know who a Hulk Hogan is. And when you really think about it, there are a few superheroes out there that are also synonymous with culture. You could say their name and people instantly know who they are. Even my wife would know who they are. I, I say lovingly, okay? But how many of them really feel like Hulk Hogan? Okay? I think that it's, it's brutally and glaringly obvious But Hulk Hogan is Superman. Is it because you can't hurt him or he doesn't lose for a long time? Sure. It's very difficult to hurt the Superman. But also think about it like this. And I'm going to take it a very deep layer. And I hope I don't lose you. To me, the best Superman... Like, I don't want to watch Superman punch a bunch of shit. I mean, I will. That's fine. But... And please, WWF Hulk Hogan never got this deep. But the best Superman stories are stories that deal with the concept of Superman. What does Superman mean to the greater whole? Uh, you know, what does it mean for humans that we have the Superman and what have you? Flip side, there are also some really great stories that sort of identify within the DC Comics world. You know what? If you go back into the past and you destroy Superman then the other superheroes don't rise. There's a story where uh, a supervillain is trying to duplicate Earth and, and make many, many, many multiverse Earths. And the way that they do it is they build this giant crazy machine and then they shoot Superman with like energy. And Superman's essence creates the a multiverse, if you will. And the character famously says, right before he presses the trigger to fire the laser, he says, I can't explain it but everything comes from Superman. That's because we know, in the real world, the modern superhero genre comes from Superman. If Superman doesn't hit back in 38, we don't have what we have. Same thing with Hulk Hogan. If Hulk Hogan doesn't hit in 84, we don't have what we have now. He is the multiversal nexus point for professional wrestling and his old school drink your milk say your prayers you know wipe your ass presentation is very old school superman as well so i think there's brand synergy here i i, I don't i was going to say i feel like it's almost undeniable but that means that i'm infallible and always right and that's not what i'm trying to say but i think it's there's not a point that can be argued against hogan being the genesis for the wrestling business in the form that it has taken now for better or worse Ric Flair better worker? Sure, I don't care. Hulk Hogan, though, is just too larger than life to be not Superman. Plus, the villains that he fought really had a hard time defeating him. Now, here's the problem with Hogan being Superman. Hogan arguably has such a colorful rogues gallery because his run on top is so long. And the rogues gallery doesn't necessarily all have to come from their time on top because some of these guys only get a year and feud with, like, one guy for the title. So the rogues gallery are... You know, will be individuals that they feuded with throughout their lifespan as a, you know, hero in the WWF, if you will. Now, Superman don't have much of a rogues gallery. It's kind of funny. It's hard to combat with Superman. He def- definitely has villains that he fights on a consistent basis, but a lot of them are sort of mere versions of himself. And I'll get into that. Ironically, though. I was able to come up with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven! Seven different Superman rogues. Well, six and one sort of asterisk at the very end that we'll cover, but uh, I think it'll make a lot of sense. So six different characters that are arguably Superman villains first and DC villains second, if that makes sense. Because, you know, uh, Mr. Freeze is a Batman villain, I mean, he, he might show up in a Flash comic, maybe, but he's not, like, on a quest to destroy the Flash ever. He don't jump from Gotham to Central City, at least not that I know of, okay? So the first villain in Superman's rogues gallery, one he's fought on film twice! So your layman may know who he is. It's General Zod. Now, General Zod, of course, is a Kryptonian, so he's got the exact same power set as Superman. He's just... Suicidal, homicidal, and genocidal. So it's of course of Sabu. It's of course Sabu, right? No, I'm kidding. Uh, so General Zod's variant, if you will, or the WWF equivalent, needs to be someone who's kind of Hogan-esque. And I've chosen Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorf at times. Friends, they're both Kryptonians. They're getting along. Paul Wunderf's got the physique. He kind of looks a little like Hogan. He's a Hulkamaniac in training, dude. Mister Wonderful's saying his prayers and wiping his ass and drinking his milk, brothers. He's gonna be great someday. Then, of course, he turns because he is the true Kryptonian. He is the one that should le- rule over the Earth and you know be Kryptonian domination. And I like the brand synergy here. Wonderful is a big muscly guy. Uh, Zod's a big, muscly guy. Superman's a big, muscly guy. I feel like it makes sense. Up next, Metallo, the man with the kryptonite heart. Metallo's not too well known. Ostensibly, the only important thing about him is he has the kryptonite heart, which means when he shows up in comics, he's usually able to weaken Superman quite a bit, but never obviously quite gets the job done because Metallo's in and out of prison and Superman's walking tall. So I tried to think, who in Hogan's Rogue Gallery really put a dent into him, but ultimately Hogan rised back to save the day? And it was neck and neck, because there is one very famous uh, Superman storyline, where Superman gets taken out, and is gone for a very long time, and then triumphantly comes back. Unfortunately, that storyline didn't work with the individual I picked for that variant, because it's just too good of a fit. So, the individual that took out Hogan for a summer, the Earthquake, is Metallo. Because the Earthquake came close. He's got that kryptonite heart on the Brother Love Show, splashing that ass onto Hogan. Never able to get the job done. Bizarro! Me love Superman. Sort of a backwards version of Hogan. So, this individual needs to be a reflection of Hulk Hogan, but different. Who else but the ultimate warrior leading into the ultimate challenge? Two powers, two unbeatable forces on a collision course with one another. Sure, warrior didn't talk backwards and he wasn't an exact mirror image of Superman, but Think about those ultimate challenge probos. Hulk Hogan cuts a cohesive probo about nonsense, like, powerful forces, dude, and Hulkamania running wild all over the back of Jack Tony into the sunset with them six-shooters putting them in the air, kids, and after we take our vitamins, drink our milk, and wipe our ass, the power of Hulkamania is going to penetrate the power of the warriors, and all those warriors that are seeing black are going to see the yellow and the red, dude. And then you cut to the ultimate warrior, and he's like, I will be riding on a horse into the sunset, a horse of seven legs, a horse with three heads that takes us where we need to be into the darkness to show the Hulkamaniacs, the neon base colors of the ultimate warrior. Like he says the same shit, but it's a backwards ridiculous version. And no, there's no actual promo where they ride to the sunset on a horse with six shooters and then the warrior says a horse with seven legs, but you could hear it happening though, Right. You can see a version where the warrior just says the exact same thing as Hogan, but says it in a bullshit, crazy way, which makes him bizarro. Mr. Mitzelpleck one of the lesser-known Superman villains, he's more of a mental villain, meaning that his method of attack is more uh, based on messing with Superman's life. So he's not an exact physical threat. I mean, he's a little guy. He's an imp from the fifth dimension that wears a suit and kind of has, like, I, I don't know. He looks like uh, fucking Hamilton on the $10 bill. Like, he's got, like, the white wit. Like, it's just, it's not a physical force, okay? Uh, they were going to make a movie with Mr. Mitzpleck, and legendary alcoholic Arthur or Dudley Moore was going to play him. Yeah, Dudley Moore, this is Superman. You want to have a drink? <laughs> so, if that gives you any indication of the physical threat that he is. Now, Mr. uh lineup here, uh, like his, his WWF version, was more of a physical threat but he was definitely trying to get into the mind of a Hulk Hogan. I'm an icon. You're not an icon. It's the water settler score, brother, on MTV. It's Rowdy Roddy Piper. Now, sure, Piper was a threat. But I feel like he used his words more to get under the skin of Superman, which is what Mr. Mitzelplek does. Like, Superman will wake up from, you know, a night of sleep, and he wakes up in a world that's made out of Tetris blocks, and Lois Lane is like a zombie, and Mr. Mitzelplek is like, oh, I I didn't, I'm sorry, I just recreated your world while you were asleep. No big deal, you could live here too. And, you know, it's just, Piper's trying to fuck with his life, take his title, uh, he's not necessarily going to beat him and leave him in a bloody pulp. Now, if he mentally incapacitates him, then he can beat him, get get him down and maybe get some, you know, some monsters in the world to beat him down. I don't know. I feel like I'm kind of off point here. Mr. Mitzelpluck was hard. I wanted to get Piper on the list. What do you want from me? Now, a one-two punch, if you will. Superman... Most of these heroes on the list have an identifiable arch nemesis. Someone you can... You know, they go together like peanut butter and jelly. Okay? Superman's is obviously Lex Luthor. And I'm kind of bummed because I like my pick for Luthor. Because Lex Luthor is always a man with a plan. Lex Luthor is not a physical threat. And this man never got the one over on Hogan in terms of a match. But he certainly... Did with a master plan, if you will. The man who put it all together. Lex Luthor is a billionaire who, you know, more money than Bruce Wayne, smarter than Bruce Wayne, could do more good than Bruce Wayne if he wanted to, but doesn't. He's always coming up with long, intricate plans to take down the Superman. Lex Luthor is the multi million dollar man, Ted DiBiase, dude, because Ted DiBiase is the only one in this era that got the job done. He bought the twin referees. Look at the plastic surgery, dude! He beat the Superman in front of like 18 million people live on the main event with his mind. He got the job done. Sure, somebody was in there throwing the punches, going toe-to-toe in the streets of Metropolis with Superman. But in the end, Luther was victorious. So Lex Luthor is a million-dollar man. Now, Superman died. Very famously, and Superman gone for a long time, like a year. So it could have been the earthquake that did it, but it's not. The one man who Superman to this day fears. As a matter of fact, he just fought him with his son. He this 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 creature was about to kill John Kent, son of Superman, and Superman rescued him, and it was a big like super moment. Like it was cool. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, And that is Doomsday. Famously played by a CGI in Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, but that's not a hero there. So the greatest threat to Superman's existence, Andre the Giant. The man who not only slew the Superman on the main event with help from Lex Luthor, but the man who is a physical force to Hulk Hogan. A man who makes Hulk Hogan look like a regular human. That's what Doomsday did to Superman. Doomsday was unstoppable. Uh, super, uh Andre was undefeated for like what, 18 years or 8 years or whatever. Doomsday evolves when you hurt him. Well, if Andre the Giant can't get a title shot, he evolves. He becomes heel, he changes his tactics. He gets management. He teams up with Lex Luthor, if you will. So, even though Andre never took Hogan out of the product because of like a story injury or something like that he did ultimately defeat Hulk Hogan live and in living color in front of 18 million people on the main event and here's the thing when Superman died the name doomsday was synonymous with his death much like when Hulk Hogan's championship reign died on the main event it was synonymous with the name Andre the Giant well what happened well Andre beat him Andre beat Hogan it's over You know, Andre's not the champ. Andre doesn't get this long legacy that continues, but he's forever remembered as Hogan's greatest rival. Doomsday forever uh, remembered as the man that killed the Superman. And finally, Hulk Hogan had another villain that he fought many, many times throughout his wars in the World Wrestling Federation. Although, for a long time, these two were allies. And it was only when his ally believed he could no longer trust the Superman to do what was right, that this man turned into a villain for the Superman. And ironically enough, it's the last rogue for Superman Hulk Hogan, and it's the next hero on our list. Batman! Batman, a sometimes villain of Superman... Uh, I think we, we all know the reasons why. And I kind of agree with this pick a whole lot, not only for the hero, but for the villain, because in comics, Batman, Batman and Superman are best friends, all right? But the Batman is always ready just in case. He's got a way to take down every member of the Justice League just in case, but he's always got multiple levels of plans to take down the Superman. And famously, the only time they've met on screen... Uh, which I love, you probably hate, and that's fine. Let's look at the reasons. The Batman believed he could not trust the Superman. The Batman believed that he was right, and his goal was righteous. Well, who in the World Wrestling Federation is a sometimes ally of Hulk Hogan, but when they turned on him, believed that they were correct, and their mission was righteous? Former World Wrestling Federation champion, the Macho Man, Randy Savage. Who's the next man? that got a run on top as sort of a superhero cartoon character in this era. He is the Batman. He's very human. He's the opposite of Hulk Hogan's Superman. Savage can be hurt. Savage has a plan. Savage is a technician, much like the Batman. He has to be. He's human. He can't go into a confrontation without a plan. So not only is the Macho Man a villain of, the, of Hogan, Superman, as Batman, but he's also the next hero on our list. So before we go forward to Savage, that book ends Hulk Hogan's superheroic run in the World Wrestling Federation as the first on our list of former champions that were superheroes. And I hope, hope it made sense. Hope it hope it resonated. with was a lot of fun. You agreed with it. But we're moving on to the Dark Knight of Gotham City. The Macho Madness runs deep in Gotham City. Batman's a man. A man who's definitely a peak human, just like the Macho Man, Randy Savage. I mean, look at the contrast here. Hulk Hogan is this all-slain, all-powerful babyface, and the Macho Man is like his opposite, but they're both on the side of good. I can't think of a better Batman-Superman if, you know, you're deciding to tackle this angle, but Hogan has been in the rearview mirror. Savage gets a year on top and savage, you know, face heel what have you. He's he's assorted a bit of a rogue's gallery throughout his career. It's interesting to me that uh even though the macho man was uh, you know, it's it's crazy. It's only 1 year. 1 year that savage gets when Hogan had all this time. <sighs> I, I is it a financial thing? Like what's the gut reaction? Of course, Having them go face-to-face seems money. But only one year of, like, the mega powers? That seems like something you could run with until the end of time. Uh, But I guess no one was really getting, uh, getting a shot to dethrone Hogan here. And it's kind of funny because Batman is definitely way more popular than Superman, I would presume. At least when it comes to merchandising, at the minimum. I mean, well, look at the movies. I mean, if nothing else, Batman blows... Yeah, I think it's pretty fair to say... Superman might be the granddaddy of them all but Batman is what people keep coming back for and uh, on your lists you know uh, how many of you have savage above Hogan and well there you go so even though the Batman Batman has arguably too, the best rogues gallery in all of comic books savage has got some some enemies okay and even though like he's got some it's kind of funny. He doesn't have too many enemies as a babyface in his championship run, but he does have rogues throughout his entire tenure in the WWF, including when he started off defending the IC title in that legendary contest at WrestleMania 3 against Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Now, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, much like Savage, is just a man. Well, I guess you could say he's a dragon, Um but at the same time, they're all—they're basically like mere images of one another in terms of, you know, their their size, their stature, their ring work, etc., etc. And that's why Ricky the Dragon Steamboat makes the Rogues Gallery list as Owl Now, Owl is not that well known of a Batman villain in the cultural zeitgeist. There's basically two versions of Owl There's one that comes from Earth Three which is an evil version of Batman uh, because owls hunt bats. And there's a second version that actually exists in like the mainstream continuity where Owlman may be Thomas Wayne Jr., uh, Bruce Wayne's brother he never knew he had. But the mere image is where I'm going with here. You know, these two guys put on the classic at WrestleMania 3 and they did it because they're two sides of the same coin so that's what makes Ricky the Dragon seem about man in my opinion now leading leading to Savage's title win at WrestleMania 4 he took place on the greatest single program in World Wrestling Federation history That's the main event in February of 88. And on that card, Savage tried to take the Intercontinental Championship from the Honky Tonk Man. Now, they had a nice little feud here. So much that I associate them together permanently because of this main event show. Now, I know they didn't really feud long after this, but... When you think about the gravity of the feud, Honky Tonk Man pushing Liz, which we'll talk about more with Elizabeth just in the future. And you think about him breaking the guitar over Savage's head. And considering that this is late 87, early 88, I mean, that's like hitting somebody with your car in the Monday Night War. I mean, that is a fucking blood feud. Now, you look at the Honky Tonk Man, and wow, he's capable, he's capable because he's surrounded by people. He's got a goon squad, if you will. Honky Tonk Man can sometimes get things done when he has to, but he's not actively trying to get his hands dirty because he's not that competent of a fighter, but he's got an evil mind, and he's able to come up with evil schemes. Now, what Batman rogue may not be a capable fighter, but can certainly get down and dirty and uh, come up with some devious plans. To me, that's the penguin. And now, <laughs> I desperately want to see the honky-tonk man as Danny DeVito's penguin in all that makeup, singing some tunes. Oh, Priscilla! Priscilla, what's going on here? Give me some of them penguins. I'm hungry. Oh, uh, we'll I'll break here. All right, it's not as funny as I envisioned it. But but seeing the honky talk man do his hip swivel as the Dan DeVito Penguin and trying to stay balanced and falling over and being like, Oh, I found myself. Oh, Jimmy Hart, help me up, man. Oh, you got to help me, man. Oh, give him my umbrella. Priscilla. Oh. You know, I like it. I like the idea of the honky talk man being a bad guy that won't throw the first punch. Because you know the penguins not throwing the first punch, right? Now. I've got two more rogues for Jake. Well, fuck, I just spoiled it. For Macho Man to go up against here in the WWF Jake the Snake Roberts and Woo! Night of Boy! Ric Flair. Batman has so many rogues, and everybody's probably waiting to see who gets the big spot. And we all know who Batman's big rogue is. And I'm going to talk about that first because the one that's not him was a bit of a surprise to me when it came to me in my head. But then I laid it all down and I was like, son of a bitch, I think I got something here. So the Joker. We don't know his name. We don't know who he is. All we know is that making the Batman's life miserable is what he wants to do. But he doesn't want Batman to not play the game, man. You gotta be here to play the game, savage. I want you back. Jack Tunney, I'm begging you. I'm begging you, please. Call that 1-900 number. It doesn't matter that I get a percentage of the proceeds, man. Trust me. Trust me. Jake the Snake Roberts is the macho man's joker. He wants to see how far he can push Savage. He wants to see what he can force Savage to do. And you know what? He's not going to fucking take the crowbar to the Batman's head and kill the Batman because that ends the game, man. Oh, sure. I'll let my snake bite you. But it's going to be Devenomized, because I want you to live. I want you to know that I beat you because you complete me, brother. However, the Joker will take the crowbar to Robin's skull. And in this particular scenario, Robin is Miss Elizabeth, and the crowbar is a big right hand this Tuesday in Tejas. Okay? Now. I just watched this Tuesday at Texas, and this is all fresh in my head. And I also watched the Saturday night's main event that caps off the feud as well. And, of course, we've all seen the Rail Rumble, the you know, the weekly TV I need to rewatch. But to me, Jake is the Joker, man. And putting the snake in the box at the wedding reception is just icing on the cake to start this thing because macho man Randy Savage doesn't—he knows Jake the Snake Roberts. They're both competitors. But at the same time— There's no connective tissue here. He just opens up a box and there's a fucking python inside. That's the Joker letting you know. Bats, I want to play. Come on, can we play? Please, please, please. Oh, I want to play so bad. (laughs) What's the matter, Macho Man? We got beef. Oh, I got beef. Yeah, we got beef. Oh, shut up. That's the Joker I'm trying to forget. The beef Joker. The Jared Leto Joker. Forget about him. Uh, but, yeah, man, it, I think there's no two ways about it because Jake just... And, you know, the reason Flair's not the Joker, and we'll talk about this, okay, because arguably Flair and Savage are iconic because the feud carries throughout WF goes to WC. I mean, it's just they're forever tied together like the yin and the yang, man. That WrestleMania Eight title match, I was there. Uh, it's just they are, you know, and, and it's... but the, but But we'll get there, I promise. But to me... Jake is the Joker because there's just no reason, man. Flair wants to defend the WWF Championship at all costs, so he wants to get in Savage's head for that reason. But why does why does Jake want to do this, man? Why would you? I don't know. It just kind of sounded like it might be a little bit of fun. So to me, Jake is the Joker. We're done. Ric Flair has a plan. He has a plan to break the Macho Man. Ric Flair and Mr. Perfect's plans are calculated at every turn. In a way like the Joker, Flair has planned for things that the Batman Randy Savage doesn't even know are going to happen. Now, improvisation is key. And also, making sure that Savage is broken physically And mentally is the key. Because when they're in the ring, especially at WrestleMania 8, Savage, excuse me, Perfect and Flair dissect the Macho Man, okay? They bring him in so they can cheat, so they can use that little white brass knuckle thing, so they can take the knee. I mean, that's how Flair goes down. He's got the leg. Woo! Schoolboy or small, or roll up one, two, three. But they have a plan to break him physically as they've broken him mentally. And then what happens? They lose the title. (laughs) What we have right now is a man who's going to walk around town tonight claiming to be the world's heavyweight champion. Well, what are we going to do? We're going to (laughs) refocus. So, yeah, Flair, Flair loses, but he's not worried about it. He's going to refocus and put together the plan. You know what the first step of his plan is? Crashing this plane, because Ric Flair is Bane. No one cared who I was till I put on the sparkly robe and came out to 2001 A Space Odyssey's theme song. Macho Man Randy Savage, I tell you with a tear in my eye, this is the greatest moment in my life. Excuse me, sir, put that cigarette out. But Ric Flair is bane because he breaks Savage mentally and physically because it's part of the plan. Take Savage out, eliminate him completely from the World Wrestling Federation, so I can continue to be the man, as opposed to Jake, who just wants to watch that Savage world burn. But I love this man. I'm a big fan of this exercise with Savage. I kind, you know, and of course it's a, it's too bad, really. Because Savage has little feuds here and there. You know, when he's feuding with the Warrior 2, he's a heel, which is very sad to me. Because, you know, I don't really... You know, I know his feud with with Steamboat was uh, Macho Man. Randy Savage is a heel, though. He wasn't the... Ma- I feel like the Macho King is too far removed from the Macho Man to be the Bat- viewed as the Batman. You know what I mean? That's kind of my outlook on it. Um, but, hey, you know, it, it, we can maybe look at that feud from a flip perspective here in, in, in just a few moments, but you know, I I just love, I, now I just want to see uh, a fucking uh, Bane and Joker team up, like, Ric Flair, hey, God, imagine this fucking, what if Flair formed, like, the four horsemen of, like, all of Savage's worst enemies, God, if Jake sticks around, Flair, Jake, perfect, somebody else. Repo Man! Woo! Get over here. Repo Man. I want you to be a four horseman. Oh, the Repo Man. I think he might steal my hat someday. That's pretty good planning, Bane Ric Flair. That's why you're the man who's always got the plan. You got the plan, I've got the madness. So, huh? Look into my eyes. Look at Elizabeth. Elizabeth dressing up with those little tights, Elizabeth with the mask on. Elizabeth with the R on her tit. Elizabeth, we're gonna fuck tonight! You're dressing up like Robert Elizabeth, uh-huh. Look into my eyes, Jack Tony. There's no cobra ring thigh, Jack Tony. Now I'm just rambling and saying stuff. All right, I think I'm good on the Macho Man. Uh, Let's move forward to our next cartoony superhero. Now things start to get a little tricky. Not so much tricky in understanding that they're still booking superheroes to win the World Wrestling Federation Championship. It's not that. It's that the next guy on our list is the ultimate warrior. A superhero of definitely a different breed. Sure, he's kind of a... And that's the thing. He's kind of a... If Hogan is all 80s, okay? And and forget what reality tells us. Let's just go with broad concepts here. The warrior is all... 90s. He's got the long rocker hair, the face paint, the tassels. The guy looks like he just came from a county fair t shirt, okay? Or flip side, from the covers of like Heavy Metal magazine. Oh, it's your one way ticket to midnight. Want it? Heavy Metal, higher. Want it? Need it? I've never seen heavy metal, and I probably never will. But I have seen the episode of South Park where they make fun of it, so that's my entire frame of reference. But the warrior that is Ultimate is a superhero of a different breed. Superhero for the 90s. He's taking things in a different direction. Now, I need a little evidence for this. 1991, often called sort of the mini-attitude era, but he's not really... You know, starting that. He's champion going into 91, but he's a part of some of the wrestling, but he's not really a part of the extreme stuff. But I think the goal was to have the Warrior be a champion that's a larger-than-life fucking splash-page superhero like Hogan, but for the, and I'm doing the finger quotes, the 90s. And this is why... For the Ultimate Warrior, we too are trying to have a superhero for the 90s. We're going off the beaten path. We've done DC so far. We haven't done any Marvel. We'll get there. Um, But here's the thing. That's not the only... Those aren't the only comic imprints in existence. In the 90s, in 92, just about a month or so before the Ultimate Warrior returns at WrestleMania 8 with the awful haircut, a new comics line is born out of the mind of a gentleman named Toad McFarlane, okay? And Toad McFarlane created his own Superman, a character that took Image Comics to heights hitherto unknown and then sort of just went into the background where it belonged. Ladies and gentlemen, I think the ultimate warrior is Spawn, you know, Spawn, the character from that shitty 90s movie with the, the really, 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 really bad CGI. And Martin Sheen walking around talking about the Heat 16 virus. The Heat 16 virus is a virus unlike any you've ever seen. Anyone who doesn't wear a mask will be incinerated by the Heat 16 virus. It's going to change everything. And I'm Martin Sheen, and I endorse this picture called Spawn. Spawn, look at you. You've you got, you got this big cape. Well, I've got this hot, sexy bitch Jessica Priest watching my back, Spawn. And you know what? Let me light this cigar real quick while I talk about how my heart is connected to the Heat-16 virus. I don't know why, but I like how Martin Sheen says the Heat-16 virus. Sue me. Problem, I'm not a huge Spawn fan. I don't know a lot about Spawn, but I was able to gather up a couple of rogues that would fit with this fucking uh, task that I've put before myself so we could quickly move on from the Ultimate Warrior. But I do I do really believe what I'm saying here, though. I do believe and feel this Spawn-Ultimate Warrior connection. It just, they never put the pedal all the way to the ground because they got us scared, okay? Now, I only know of three, count up, three Spawn villains, Okay. And the warrior as champion... And what's interesting is the warrior doesn't have a lot of, like, feuds. He has uh, one feud that lasts from his intercontinental days to his world days. You know, he loses the gold to Slaughter. He's not necessarily feuding with Slaughter, okay? So his big arch... He's got two arch nemesis, in my opinion, all right? Ravishing Rick Rude. I think that's a given. And the macho king, Randy Savage, all right? Now, Ravishing Rick Rude... May have been the brawn, but he certainly wasn't the brains behind the operation. And Spawn's numero uno villain that I know of, because, hey, I've seen the movie, is. John Leguizamo's clown! Hey, Spawn, it's me, clown. You want some pizza with maggots on it? Hey, it's me, clown. I farted and there's there's shit in my underpants, Spawn. Hey, Spawn, guess what? When you were dead, I was fucking your wife, Wanda. No, not WANDA! Jesus, Spawn, (laughs) you married a bitch named Wanda? I, I fucked a fish named Wanda. I never married Wanda. So Clown is Bobby the Brain Heated. Because he's Rick Rude's manager. Ravishing Rick Rude is the Violator. The big demon thing that's sort of all fucking punches and... I don't know, okay? What do you want from me? Ravishing Rick Rude is Violator. That's it. And the Macho King Randy Savage is the Man-Man. Who's in charge of hell? The double-barrel Boja. Because he's sort of the last ultimate villain. Like, you have to get through Heenan and Rude to get to the Macho King. And the Macho King's trying to manipulate the warrior. Like, you know what, warrior? I'm pulling all your puppet strings. Because Sensational Sherry, a.k.a. Wanda, uh-huh, is going to manipulate you into a championship match. She's going to dress up like Wanda. You're going to think she's Wanda. She's going to blow you. And when you orgasm, you're going to yell, Wanda! But guess what? Ultimate Warrior. I'm the Devil Malboja, a.k.a. Satan. And even though I look like a weird dog thing in the Spawn movie, I'm the Macho King Randy Savage. And speaking of which, I got a few questions for the CGI artists over at New Line Cinema. When you drew the Devil uh Malboja, why'd you make him look like a dog with a little goatee? Why's the Devil Malboja got that goatee? Mm, I don't know. I'm done with the Ultimate Warrior, though. We can move on to our next cartoon. It's Brett Hitman Hart. The failed experiment of Brett the Hitman Hart in the 90s. Now look, he was the excellence of execution. They they didn't give him the like superhuman rocket push, okay? He was the fight and his champion in the dub dub F. He was a tactical marksman. He was a guy that when you got into the ring, he may not punch you to the moon like Superman. He may not have outsmarted you before you got into the ring like the Batman. He may not have thousands of chains hanging from him like Spawn. But he is a leader in there. He's the leader of the new WWF generation. And he's extremely uninteresting. So I need a comic book hero that's a leader. A tactician. And so fucking bland and boring, I want to rip my hair out. Well, luckily, in the 90s, there was a cartoon on Fox that consisted of a super team of mutants. Bret Hart, I have something to tell you. I've probed your mind, and I've discovered what's wrong with you. Professor, am I a mutant? No, you're just really fucking delusional. You think you're going to get a career on Lonesome Dove. Bret, I've got to tell you, man, it's not in the cards... But I'm kind of a Canadian cowboy, ah, uh, stu. You know, we weren't in a dungeon getting stretched. He'd take me out on the frontier, and I'd, I'd buck some broncos, and, you know, I, I, know how to load a six shooter, and uh, I got long hair like the cowboys did in the old west. And I think, uh you know, I, I understand what you're saying to me, Professor Xavier, and, uh, you know, but I think I'm going to still uh, throw my hat into the ring to be in Lonesome Dove. Well, all right, Brett, that's just fine. In the meantime, could you please lead my X-Men? And here, wear these cool sunglasses. Yes, yes, that makes you more likable. All right, he's all yours, team. That means that Brett the Hitman Hart is Cyclops. Now, ironically, Cyclops is a character that I really like now. The modern version of Cyclops that's in a fucking quadruple. With uh, Jean Grey, Wolverine, and the White Queen. That's right. They're all fucking each other. And I am here for it, okay? But Cyclops is cut from the Leonardo cloth. Nobody picks them as their favorite, right? Like, when you were a kid growing up watching the X-Men cartoon, was Cyclops your favorite? What's wrong with you? Are you that uninteresting? Like, I don't get it. You know, if someone tells me their favorite Ninja Turtle is Leonardo, I just don't get it. I mean, sure, he's got the swords, but he's the boring leader. He doesn't. There's not one interesting thing about him. And that's kind of like the Hitman. Of course, the X-Men have a multitude of enemies, and Brett the Hitman Hart, in his days atop of the Federation, uh, gathered many enemies as well. None more entangled with Bret Hart forever and a day than the boy toy, the heartbreak kid. Now, Shawn Michaels is dead. Really not at all like the superhero, but the dynamic between Brett and Sean is like the dynamic between Cyclops and this person before they entered the crazy sex world that they're in now. So uh, Brett, the Hitman Heart, and the Heartbreak Kid Sean Michaels both believe they should be atop the new Dub Dub F generation. Brett has his ideas. The Heartbreak Kid has his ideas. Okay, and in the middle. They're both in love with the same redhead, WWF. And they both think WWF should be with them and not with the other. So the Heartbreak Kid is Berserkabaraj Wolverine. No, no, there's just nothing there. But the dynamic is there. And so we're sticking with it. Of course, Brett famously faced his first monster at WrestleMania 9. And, much like Cyclops, failed miserably. It was my Yokozuma. My Yokozuma reminds me of a favorite from the X-Men animated cartoon. And to a lesser extent, a much, much lesser extent, X-Men Origins Wolverine. Because nothing hurts the blob. So yes, Yokozuda is the blob. Jerry the King Lawler always had one up on the Hitman and he knew how to press his buttons and dig into his personal life to defeat him. Because it's one thing to beat Cyclops or the Hitman on the battlefield. But you've got to break their spirits mentally as well and you've got to create conflict within the dynamic of the X-Men or in this case the Hart family. I guess you could say Jerry the King Lawler is a little sinister. Mr. Sinister. Another character who's so much cooler now than he was back in the day. Because now he's just Hollywood from Mannequin. Alright? Scott Boy, let's just see here. I like what you're doing with your visors, but I really think you should probably try these. Oh, and your uniform is so tight. Oh, ain't I a stinker? I love fucking Mr. Sinister now so much. He's like a top-tier, all-time comic book character. He's tremendous in everybody should fucking at least Google to figure out what the hell it is that I'm talking about. Oh, but you know, uh, as Cyclops, I'm kind of a little guy, you know. And, and I, sometimes i got to fight a big seven-footer named Diesel. And, you know, the X-Men used to fight some big seven-footers, too. And they ran off diesel power. And you know what? They're big robots. And, and in 1994, uh, Kevin Nash uh, was kind of like a robot because he didn't really talk. And, and his music was just that that mechanical noise over and over again. So, Big Daddy Cool Diesel, when feuding with the fucking Cyclops version of Bret Hart, is just the Sentinels. And I think that makes sense. Yo! I'm coming to crush you with my big red boots, because I'm a sentinel. Hey, Sean, did you see what they got me doing here? I'm dressed up like a robot. Yeah. I mean, is is this greater than or equal to Oz? You know, on one hand, I say things like, Mutant identified. Mutant must be destroyed. On the other hand, welcome to Oz, welcome to Oz, welcome to Oz. I don't know, man. I should have stuck with those turtles. You know you know what? A lot of people don't know this. You know who the f- most fun turtle to hang out with is? Leonardo. And you wouldn't guess it by looking at him. Kind of a dickweed. Kind of like an accountant. But you know what? Give Leonardo a little ecstasy. You're finding out all kinds of things about those turtle shells you never knew before. But, uh, yeah. I'll go out here and fight Bret Hart acting like a goddamn robot, Vince. Just, uh... Make sure the check's clear. Now, Brett's brother On is a lot like Cyclops' brother Havoc. Always roughing and toughing and trying to get Daddy Corsair's attention. So, to King of Hearts' own heart is Havoc, who's a lot cooler in the comic books than he is in those X Men first class movies. Don't worry. But you know, the X Men's ultimate villain is a uh, not really a villain per se. It's just someone who really believes in their beliefs. Sorry, kind of sounded like the fucking Last Airbender script for, for there for a minute. He believes in his beliefs. But Magneto absolutely believes that what he says is the doctrine and no one can shake him away from it. I guess you could say he's a little narrow-sided or he's insane because he won't hear anyone else's opinion. My way or the highway, if you will. He thinks everyone is below him, and uh, he stands for mutant dominance, meaning that he's the best wrestler. Now, Bret Hart also believes he's the best wrestler. So Magneto is none other than Mr. Bob Backlund. Both insane, both unwavering in their beliefs. Uh, Yeah. And they're both tyrannical rulers. Bob tried to run for president. Magneto on Genosha. I like the brand synergy there. And so, that's where we're going to leave it. Now, our next hero is barely a superhero. Everything wrong with 1995 WWF is encapsulated in fucking Kevin Nash's massive failure run as Diesel, as the WWF champion. And everything that's wrong with the mid-90s also took place in comic books. When the goddamn character known as Cable, Cyclops' son, by the way, was introduced to comic books. Cable with his 16 guns and his 47 belts and his 66 pouches and his origin that's absolutely ridiculously impossible to understand. Diesel is Cable is Poochie, okay? Okay. Seriously, the 90s were not a good time to be a comic book or a... Du- well, the mid-90s anyway, a comic book or a WWF fan. Hey, Sean! Now that i am got to be traveling through time is crazy. But you know what? i got an idea. On my 1099, I'm going to write that I'm 32. But when I go to the future, I'm still going to be 32. So the amount of taxes on my W-2 and the 1099 are going to be... Equal. I don't get it, Kev. What does that got to do with anything? Sean, I'm going to make like 25 bucks, bro. All I got to do is travel through time. 25 bucks? It's an extra lappy for you and Paul. Yeah, just looking at it that way. <laughs> Diesel's arch nemesis, Brett the Hitman Hart, is Firefist, a.k.a. Russell from Deadpool 2, the little fat kid who's like, Hey, man, Firefist! Oh, you know, I can't even do an impression of him. Because Bret Hart sucks and Fire Fizz sucks. The Merc with the Mouth Deadpool is known to clash with Cable. And that's the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. Hey, Kev, get over here. Guess what, Jack? I just fingered my asshole and it smells like Jimmy Chunkus. And I'm going to kick your teeth right down your throat. Hey, Shawn, you don't have to act so hard to be cool, man. I know you think you said asshole and chimichungas in the same sentence. Makes you cool, bro. You sound like Ryan Reynolds, man. It's just like you're playing Mad Libs with sex things and curse words. For example, my curse word feels like it just got sex-thinged by animal. My fucking cock feels like it just got ass-rammed by a donkey. It just... Bro, I, actually, I, I kind of like it. Whoa, shot! W- will you be my Deadpool? You got it, Big calf. We're two dudes with mid-90s attitudes, Jack. Big Daddy Cool D-Cell also went up with the cornerstone of the million-dollar corporation. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Psycho Sid? Psycho Sid's a big dude, man. Psycho Sid's a little unstable and unhinged and can't cut a promo for his life. So what does that make make Psycho Sid? It makes me the juggernaut bitch. I am the juggernaut of softball. I am the juggernaut on the field and I will be the master and the ruler of the little diamond crystal that turns me into the juggernaut bitch. Professor Charles Xavier is my stepbrother. It's really kind of weird if you think about it, but that does not change the fact. The cable. I am going to destroy you at in your house. I may even crush your house when I turn into the Juggernaut. In fact, I think that's a famous storyline when the Juggernaut destroys part of Professor Xavier's mansion. And if that is your house, diesel, I will destroy your house at in your house. And rounding out Diesel's rogues gallery is King Mabel, a big dude that wore a lot of purple, much like Apocalypse. Yeah, yep. That's all the explanation I'm going to give you, and we're done with Big Daddy Cool Diesel. And our final entry that we're going to be discussing today, in the end of this cartoonish superhero-esque era of professional wrestling of the World Wrestling Federation, they're they're going for something new here with the last go around you know we've seen the big hulking superstar we've seen uh the towering you know big footer we've seen the rock and roll dude we've seen the uh insane macho man and we've seen the actor brit hurt and, and, and you know but here we've got something that's unique so sean michaels the heartbreak kid Uh, You know, beats Bret Hart in the Iron Man match. And I'm not going to make any jokes about his boyhood dreams or anything like that. But here is what I'm dealing with. So, Sean is a much different type of character. He's the most athletic, flamboyant, charismatic superstar in WWF history, according to the concrete man himself, Vince McMahon. So, it reminds me of sort of a different superhero presentation. Still gets the job done. Uh, but maybe it gets it done with a little bit of attitude, if you will. A little bit of snarkiness, okay? a l- Someone who's a little bit like your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. With just a tinge of assholey swarminess turned up, okay? Because Spider-Man is kind of a dick, you know, to his enemies as he's fighting him. Like, oh geez, you really suck. Oh yeah, I mean, it, it, that's fine. I enjoy that quite a bit. But that's, that's sort of part of the shtick. And Sean is, you know, flying around the ring and stuff like that. And it's sort of a a, a more natural comparison. But in all seriousness, he is a different type of champion. He's like a, ain't I a stinker champion. But uh, I'll still kick your teeth down your throat. But he's the sort of guy who'll do something and then ask for permission later. Which sort of feels like a Spider-Man vibe, okay? So that's that's why I'm going with the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man here, all right? Which, it is strange and unique and fun way makes Jose Lothario Uncle Ben. Alright, so you know Jose Lothario after he gets in with the camera Sean with great power comes great What? Jose Uncle Jose Pops Come on Come on Uncle Jose Pops Responsibility. Oh, no. Uh, so, yeah, that, that, that we kind of got that thing going for us. But in all seriousness, uh, Camp Cornette is a massive thorn in the side. And while there are only four people, all right, there's, there's sort of a sinister 6 vibe going on here in, in one configuration, okay? So a part of me really wants to make Jim Cornette the kingpin, all right? But I can't do it because... Cornette isn't quite like the Kingpin, okay, in any way, shape, or form. So, knowing that I'm pushing that to the side, I've decided to make Jim Cornette J. Jonah Jameson. Uh, because I like the idea of Jim Cornette, you know, just standing around the locker room being like, God damn it, boys, all I needed is some goddamn pictures of Spider-Man to put in my newspapers. Come on, oh, we got to get that WF title and then get the pictures of Spider-Man. And a Junior Bacon Cheeseburger, Parker. But yeah, so, that, so I'm going with J. Jonah Jameson, which isn't really, you know, a rogue, if you will. But the British Bulldog, one of the members of Camp Cornet, is on the hunt for that dirty rotten at Shawn Michaels, because of what I do with my wife. Now, there's another lonely Spider-Man villain that's on the hunt for that goddamn friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And that is the upcoming star of the next film in the Sony Spider-Man cinematic universe, Craven the Hunter. Played by Quicksilver. Hello, I'm Quicksilver and I run very fast, but now I will hunt you. It's a really bad Quicksilver impression. I probably should have left that one in the old pocket, but I went with it anyway. Ah, uh, but yes, Craven will hunt you, Spider Man, and I, British Bulldog David Boy of Smith. Cocaine, hell drug, showed Michaels, Spider Man. Next up, Rocket King. Owen Hart. Now, Owen Hart spends the entire Shawn Michaels run with the cast on his arm. It's sort of an illusion. Alright, that the arm is broken still and the cast is necessary, but this illusion hurts because it's created with a hard light construct of Mysterio. Quentin Beck. Jake Gyllenhaal, whatever you want to call it. Owen Hart is the mysterious Mysterio. Now do one more to keep going in, I'm huge. I'm really huge. Of course, the Mastodon, man I call Vader, yes, is a member of Camp that with Sean for quite a portion, even gets a pinball victory at the international incident in your house. And it's fitting that it's an international incident, because Vader, when he yells for Spider-Man, will no longer sound like this, Hey, Spider-Man, I want to feed on you. Now, Vader's gone international to Soviet Russia, okay? Because Vader will be portraying the rhino. You know, the Paul Giamatti rhino. Or actually, Vader would probably, actually, instead of a guy in a robot suit, be an actual guy with just a fucking armor and the horn. Look at me! Spider-Man, I have a horn! I'm so huge! Just a big, fat piece of shit. <laughs> hey. Eh. <laughs> Although, in this case, that would be Rhino right walking slowly down the streets of New York and taking a hot dog from every vendor he sees instead of boxing the ears and just being like, eh. hot dog, eh. hot dog, eh. so Sinister Six, Camp Cornette, Craven the Hunter, Mysterio, and the Rhino. Now, Shawn Michaels also feuds briefly. With mankind. And of course, they have a legendary, awesome five star, totally not joking match at In Your House uh, Mind Games, which has the (laughs) kind of a low key underrated best WWF logo for a pay per view of all time with the skull that shrieks like at the beginning of the pay per view. Oh man, the thing is so awful but awesome at the same time. It really is. I, I quite adore it, and I wasn't going to talk about it until Concrete Man covered in your house mind games. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put that one in the back pocket as well. Now I don't really believe this as a comparison, but I, I just really want an excuse to say that mankind is Morbius, the living vampire. Okay, Uncle Paul, I need some blood so I can get Spider Man and bite him. Was that funny, Uncle Paul? No, it wasn't. Uncle Paul, we got beef. What do we got beef. Uncle Paul, we got beef. Hey, Shawn Michaels, Spider-Man, we got beef. Oh, my God. Jared Leto playing the role of Mankind in some sort of a biopic. I'd watch it. Uh, but, you know, Mankind is a, a more unique villain. And, of course, Spider-Man did tangle with Morbius in one of those episodes of his cartoon. And, you know, they have in the comics and stuff like that. And it's sort of a one-off. Man, now, now I'm kind of imagining a world where, like, after that match, uh, because everybody thinks Mankind's a good wrestler, they turn him face and have Paul Bear be like, you want to win the title! All I wanted was the title! I don't like you, Mankind! And Sean and Mankind team, uh, and, and, and like, reluctantly, and Sean's like, Well, looks like I got a new partner, Jack. He's weird and kooky and stuff, but I think I think it'll be okay. And then they, some, they formed, like, the uh, their version of the mega powers and then they explode at the next Wrestlemania or he could just be Morbius in this thing we're doing alright one left okay psycho shit? Uh of companion of the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man Shawn Michaels okay sometimes competition but friendly rivalry You know, maybe if they're on opposite sides of a uh, a six-man tag booked by that wacky gorilla monsoon. I don't think that actually happens. Uh, Well, you know, the international incident are like, oh, Sean, look, you know, fuck, I'm all over the place, but... And then, you know, how about a friendly exchange of a, you know, a contest, if you will, gentleman's contest at the Survivor Series 1996. Uh, but Sid starts getting a little personal and starts sort of, you know, maybe not helping out anymore and letting Sean get the, the upper you know, get the double teamed in tag team matches and not paying as close of attention. And something has been corrupting Psycho Sid. Okay? What would make him no longer a lethal protector of the Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels. Because Sid in his quiet moments hears voices in his head Spider-Man and I'm here to tell you that I am not a psycho Sid. I am not a bringer of justice. I am not vicious. But we... Ah, uh, Venom. And we will eat your brains at the Survivor Series, Shawn Michaels. And we will see you there on a pay-per-view basis. Yes, Psycho Sid is Venom. And he could also have his own TV show where he walks around San Francisco arguing with his symbiote. I kind of low-key really enjoy both Venom movies simply because Tom Hardy is just making choices left and right, doing his thing, and the dichotomy between the symbiote and 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 Eddie Brock should not be as hilarious as it is. They sort of hit the perfect balance that it's like this stupid '90s buddy comedy. Um, but yeah, and I definitely think that it would be very hilarious to watch uh, Psycho Sid eat Pete Lothario's brains. Because, you that's what Venom does, man. So, I don't know. But that's, you know, it, it, like I said, it's a different it's a different feel. It has to be. It's a different feel because Sean is a completely different champion. So you really have to lean into these elements. But there's consistency there. You know, Spider-Man as a franchise tries something different uh, than even... I don't know, it's wholly unique amongst, like, the film franchises because each depiction is so vastly different. I guess, I mean, Batman has that too, but Spider-Man is sort of... It's a little more fun, but also a little more serious. I don't know, I give it credit, I really do. Um, and Shawn Michaels' reign. I mean, it's, a uh, that 96, you know, I know it's not all great, you know, it's here, it's there, it's a little bit everywhere, but I, it's very nostalgic for me. So I greatly appreciate it, and yeah, I had a little fun with it here. But I do think these picks are not, uh, you know, I mean, hey, it's, it's a fun little goofy thing. But it does bring us to the end of the cartoonish era, because 97 is like the line in the sand. So I don't know that this exercise works going forward, but if you enjoyed it and would like to see a, a second volume or a different Federation or concept uh, something like this you know let me know hit me up on Twitter at the Johnny C or what have you but that is going to bring a conclusion to this edition of ringman uh, please do follow us here on the new TNN podcast feed so you get notified when new content drops I am Johnny C and a winner is let the It's a hot one, it did seven, and I'm not done Venom venomous, the thoughts spun like a weapon, you're just them Held against your feel like a hubcap